He is risen. What a week, right? Each of us left here last Sunday so excited for what Jesus did for us. Right? We, we, we thanked him throughout the week. And we thought, wow, this is so amazing. This is so awesome. I just can't stop smiling and, and thinking about what he did for me. And we were left wondering, how come people don't get it? How are they not on fire? How are they not filled with joy and excitement? How are they not out there like us telling others and living every day for Jesus? And we're like, oh yeah, it's back to reality. Just after last week, right? Back to school, back to work, back to retirement, back to practices, back to normal. And so often normal is what? Yeah, remembering on Sunday what, what Jesus did, but the rest of the week, sometimes it becomes back burner stuff. So often what normal is, is actually forgetting what Resurrection Sunday is all about. Yes, I too when I was putting this together, was feeling the sting of those words. Maybe you're not, but I was. But we have to remember, right? We were talking about this last week. We need to remember why Jesus came. We need to remember that Jesus Christ came to die for all your sins and all mine. We've got to remember that Jesus Christ came to, to save us from death. Jesus Christ came to rescue us from the devil. And now, because of that, we are freed. Free to, to, to bask in his gift to us, right? From God, through Christ, right to us. But we also got to remember, it's not just for you, it's not just for me, it's for who? Everybody. From God, through Christ, to me, and out to others. So, so maybe it's time, once again, that we need to remember at this church that, that gone is the idea that what Jesus did is solely for us. I mean, you've heard it now for almost seven full years. So gone is that idea. Gone is also just being okay with sitting here on Sunday morning and, and just basking in how great this is. And it's great. I mean, it is wonderful. It's, it's superb. But, but friends, we once again need to remember why we're here. You are supposed to be here right now. God put you here at this time, at this place, in this area for a reason. Saved, rescued, and redeemed you for his purpose. So now's the time to act. Ready, set, action. You'll be tired of that by seven weeks from now. But over the coming weeks, what we're going to do is we're going we're to be looking at this writing of, of Dr. Luke as, as he continues to tell us this, this story, this, the, the truth of Jesus and his followers in the book of Acts, often known as the Acts of the Apostles. So what this book does, guys, is it links together the life of Christ and the life of the Christian church. 
So, so to tie this all together, before we get into our text for today, we have to start in chapter 1 of Acts, where, where Luke tells us of these 40 days that after Jesus had risen from the dead, he was alive, and, and he was here on the earth. And from time to time, he would appear to his apostles, showing that he was not dead. No, but, but showing that he was actually alive. And he spent time with them. And he, and he talked to them. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't just talk to them about the kingdom of God. No, he told them that they need to take this message now of, of who he is, and they need to go everywhere. He said, this is your responsibility. This is why he chose them. This is why he trained them. This is why he equipped them. This is why he forgave them. This is why he died for them. This is why he rose for them. To take this truth everywhere. Because you had to see the disciples were no longer just disciples. They were no longer just followers. They were no longer just learners of Jesus. No, now they were apostles of Jesus. That meant they were messengers. That meant they were missionaries of Jesus. Scary, right? I'm sure those disciples, those apostles were scared. But but. Jesus, as he always does, quickly puts an end to, to that, that feeling of, of, of being scared. He tells them right away in verses 4 and 5 that they were to not leave Jerusalem, okay, until the gift arrived. Oh, <laughs> the, the, the promised gift arrived, and in and, and just a few days it arrived. So you got him thinking, right? What, again, is this, this promise gift? Well, we know. We know the rest of the story. We'll get there next week. But, but that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was to come upon them. And because the Holy Spirit was to come upon them, that is why they were to keep going. That is why they were then to keep carrying Jesus' name. And so that brings us to our theme verse that you're going to hear throughout this entire series. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, you might want to mark it. You're going to come back to it a few times. Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 says this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, Jesus was physically taken up into heaven. The ascension. He's gone. Two men, once again, show up in, in, in this dazzling white thing. And they say to the apostles, why are you just standing here looking up into heaven? Why? Don't you remember what he said? Someday he'll be back. But for now, don't just look up. He says what? Go. He says, act. 
Remember what he just said. So that's where we pick up our text for today. The apostles have watched Jesus ascend, and and the the angels told them to stop just looking up and and go back and do what he said. And so that's what they did. They they started their half-mile journey back to Jerusalem to wait for the coming of the gift. So they get back, and they get back into this upper room where they were earlier, and you know what they did? They prayed. They prayed, and then they waited. You're wondering how long I was going to wait to talk again, right? (laughs) But this is something, if we look at it, at here, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And, and, it, and it makes a lot of sense that, that they, they prayed, obviously, and, and then they had to wait. But, but who's among them is this guy named Peter, right? The go-getter of the group. The guy with the drive to go, especially now, right? Because he's been restored by Jesus. And then with him you have the other ten. Yeah, Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers and sisters of Christ were there as well. They're all there waiting and holding a prayer meeting. They were there waiting and praying until the Spirit shows up. So I, I think, friends, here's one spot we can pause and just learn a little bit from the apostles. When, when you face a difficult situation, an important decision, a confusing dilemma, what's your natural response Do you just barge right in? Do you, do you rush in, into the work like a bull in a china shop and hope it all comes out the way that it should? Or do you slow down and wait and pray? Do, do you make that first step prayer for the Holy Spirit's power and guidance? So they're up there praying and waiting. And and eventually they come down because all the other disciples have showed up too. There's about 120 of them, right? So they they come down and they're in there, this area around the house. And the scripture tells us that 120 believers uh, in Jesus were there in this one place. And so as they gathered together out there, you know what happened? After all this praying and waiting, Peter stood up and talked. How do you know to do that? Well, probably through the prayer, right? Probably through his time of prayer. God said, you know what? Now it's time that you stand up and you speak to these people and inform them what the scriptures say, that the scriptures had to be fulfilled. You know what this was? This was the first church meeting, voters meeting. Oh, boy, right? What, could only, what, what good can happen there, right? Things had to be discussed. Acts 1.16, that's where we pick it up. Acts 1.16 says this. Brothers, this is Peter talking. Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. So, so notice this. The Holy Spirit spoke back here through David. So we go back to, to Psalm 41. That's where this is found. Psalm 41, verse 9. It says this. 
Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Psalm 41, verse 9. So we see that the Holy Spirit spoke of this, all right? And then we continue on. Peter continues to speak there in Acts 1, verse 17. He says this, For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akadama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So this all was prophesied in the book of Psalms. Now, I know there's a few of you that want me to take a lot of time and, and dig into to, to this whole thing about Judas falling and, and his bowels bursting out on the ground and whatnot. I'm not going to take a lot of time, but, but what we understand is uh, you know, Judas went and, and, and hung himself, is what Scripture tells us, so either the rope broke or the tree branch broke. That's kind of basically what we, we understand from this. But the important aspect of what this text is talking about is that they needed to have another person to take his office to fulfill the scriptures. We needed another follower of Jesus, someone who has been there since the beginning, since Jesus' baptism, someone that, that saw the miracles, was, was there to witness the resurrection. Someone needed to come from this group of people to take the place of Judas. All right, so, so now let's remind ourselves once again what the apostles have been doing. What are they doing? They're waiting and they are praying. They're following the directions of Jesus and waiting for the Holy Spirit uh, to come. But, but waiting for them didn't mean just sitting around. Okay? Waiting for them didn't mean just sitting around. They were still doing what they could. So that's why they were praying. Right? Seeing how God could use them right there at, at that time as they were waiting for this promised gift of the Holy Spirit to come. So they were praying and they were praying some more. They were recalling the scriptures. They were learning it again. Right? And they were talking about it. They were getting organized for what was to come. They were planning and thinking ahead. That's what this is. They're planning and thinking ahead. They were seeking God's guidance through it all. All in all, a productive church meeting, some might say. Waiting around for God to answer. Waiting around, guys, for, for, for God to work doesn't mean just sitting around. Waiting around for, for God to work doesn't mean just doing nothing. Waiting around for answers and direction from God doesn't mean we just keep doing the same things that we've always done because that's how we've always done them. It, it doesn't mean thinking that, that people are just going to walk right in and, and be like, hey, I need some of your Jesus. No, it means that we are actively at work doing what we can while we can, seeking his guidance. Praying through it all while we wait. 
So now for the apostles, that meant they were going to have to find another person to join the other 11, right? To join the other 11 as witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. They had a job to do. So now we pick it up here with verse 23. It says this. And they put forward two. Joseph called Barsabas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. So of these other 120 disciples, two men were put forth that had followed. Matthias and, and Justice. And then what did they do? They prayed. And they prayed some more. They, they went back to what they were doing as they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. They didn't just sit around. They prayed saying, You, Lord, who knows the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. So I want us to notice a few things here. This prayer was specific. This was a specific prayer to fill the specific role of ministry. You see, it was what the church needed to continue on in its ministry. They specifically prayed into this to continue on with the ministry of the church as God had set up. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed and the lot fell on Matthias. And he became one of the apostles. To do what? To go, to act, to take the name of Jesus out. So what about the other guy? What about justice? Well, because the disciples prayed and they were led by, by God to go with Matthias, do you, do you think that just meant that, that justice sulked around? Because he didn't get the call? Did, did, did that mean those people that were, were pulling for justice to get the spot and, and get the position got angry and, and walked away because he didn't get the spot? I don't think so. Right? They, they, were, they were disciples of Jesus. Nobody there was in it for themselves. Not a single one of them was in it for themselves. They were not in it for personal gain. They were there to do what Jesus told them to do. Go. So this guy, Justice, who was as faithful as Matthias in following Jesus, but didn't get that apostleship position that he was put up for, probably went on doing what he was doing before he was even nominated. Right? He probably went on being awesome. He probably went on, on, on loving people, loving Jesus and loving others the way that Christ loved him. He probably continued to, to feed the poor, to help the homeless, to care for the widows. And most importantly, more than likely, he continued to proclaim and teach the death and resurrection of Jesus. For who? For all, for the sins of the entire world. Now, I know I've shared this before, so it might be uh, just a refresher for some of you, but I need to share it again. 
If you look at this guy's name, Just Us, you can separate it into two words. Just Us. J-U-S-T space U-S. Justice is just us. Crazy, right? We're called by God to be just us. Yes, just us is who God loves with a love beyond all understanding. Just us is who God forgives and heals every day. Just us is who God loves more in a moment than anyone else will love us in a lifetime. Just us is who God uses today to carry his name. Each of us. No matter who we are or what position we have, we have the same mission. Sent by God to carry the name of Jesus out into the world. Remember what I told you earlier? God puts you here at this time, at this place, in this area for a reason. Someday it may change. He may move you elsewhere. But right now you're supposed to be here. Saved, rescued, and redeemed for his purpose. So now's the time to act. Ready, set, action. And here's the thing. Jesus prayed for us to do this. He did. He knew where his church would be when you heard these words today. He knew where his church is going as you hear these words this day. He, know where, he knows where he's taking you as you hear these words today. You see, he prayed these words thousands of years ago for you, for today, for every day. So I'm going to leave you with this as we step out in faith into another week and trust that, that God is in, in charge and in control of his church. We step out in faith as we pray and seek his guidance and will for his direction in our lives. We step out in faith knowing that, that Jesus prays for us in John 17. Friends, Jesus prays for you. So let this prayer of Christ wash over you today as his disciple whom he loves and sends. We pray, dear Father, Oh, you don't want to repeat after me. Just go ahead and pray this silently in your head this time. We're going to be here a while if we do that. Dear Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. 
May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Amen and amen.